Welcome to the Moving Mountains podcast, where you'll hear from thriving entrepreneurs, movers, and shakers, and we'll discuss how they're knocking down walls, solving problems, while sharing with you their pearls of wisdom, lessons learned, and mistakes to avoid. If you have a business or want to start a business, then you're in the right place. I'm one of your hosts, Omar. I'm Anthony. And I'm Audrey. Today we talk to Brad Anderson from TechBridge. TechBridge is a company that provides IT staffing for other companies. It was a great conversation, tons of advice, packed full of lots of great tips, as well as just stories about success, as well as failing forwards. I think you guys will have a good time listening to it. Enjoy. Okay, so I want to welcome everybody to the show. Thanks, Brad, for coming. Uh, I am one of the many hosts that you'll hear on the show. My name is Jason. Um, my name is Audrey. And Omar. Uh, so today, we have a wonderful guest with us today. We have Brad Anderson from TechBridge. Is that right, TechBridge? It is. It's TechBridge. So I wanted to kind of educate the listeners a little bit, just kind of have them understand a little bit about more about you, Brad, as well as your company. So if you don't mind just letting us know a little bit about yourself, kind of your story, how you got here, and what uh, TechBridge does as a company. Okay, yeah. So I'll start out with what TechBridge is. TechBridge is an IT staffing and recruiting agency. Uh, we specialize in placing um, top IT talent across the, across the state of Utah, and, and really not only Utah, but across the nation. So we, 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 we specialize in Software engineers, web developers, mobile app developers, um, big data engineers, and uh, information system security. So pretty much all of your IT needs. I started TechBridge about three and a half years ago. Uh, I had kind of a, a crazy introduction into the staffing and recruiting world. Um, and as most people who find their way in that industry, um, my, my story is no different. Uh, I was working for a local digital marketing agency that was acquired by a bigger company and from that point decided to part ways with them. Started working with a company based out of California that did that was kind of a hybrid between a staffing agency and more of that, um, that traditional um, software development company that specialized in certain software. Okay. Quickly found that um, I had clients that wanted to work with me, and since I was with a smaller organization, they decided to pay me as a 1099. So I got to looking into that a little bit more and realized that that's probably in my best interest to say, okay, well, we it's time to start a company. So I had a built-in clientele, um, started started servicing them, working with them and finding finding the, the appropriate candidates that they needed and then just started going from there. So if you said this was about three years ago? Yep. And before that you were just doing, you were doing marketing, you were working for them? So yeah, the, the the digital agency I was working for, they were they were a, a digital marketing agency and I was doing biz dev and marketing. Okay. So I'm assuming now you're appreciating kind of being this a business owner now, or is it is there a little bit of some uh, not great things that come with it? Well, I mean some caveats. Yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong, being a business owner is fantastic. I mean, it, it's great. You have freedom, you have flexibility, but in that same vein, you also have a lot of responsibility and bringing home the bacon and, and, and making <laughs> sure that you know you're you're responsible for what you bring home. I mean, you can't just rely on oh, I can do this tomorrow. I can I can put this off. No, I mean, ultimately your success is up to you and how, how much you put into it is what you're going to get out of it. Cool. So Brad, um, 
uh, IT staffing, I mean, there's there's probably a lot of those out there. I mean, how do you compete with all these other different companies? I mean, what's your what's your angle? What's your secret sauce? We do things a little bit differently. Um, we like to give back to the community. So every every new direct hire that we place, we actually give a thousand dollar donation to the charity of their choice on their behalf. So that that's just kind of a little way to break the break up the the ice and kind of give back and kind of give back into tech. Um, other things that we try to do is women in tech is still kind of up and coming. So we try to promote that as much as we can. We try to we try to make sure that we're engaging with with um, women who who are interested in tech because not a lot are. So so do you um, do you reach out to companies um, and then say hey uh, you're you're missing some staff members how can we help or do you find someone who's looking for a position and then find them a, a home how how does how does it work? Well, it's a little bit of both. I mean, at the end of the day, I mean. I look at recruiting as networking. That's that's literally what we do. Is we're we're constantly okay. networking and we're constantly building relationships. So um, we're we're obviously wanting to make sure that we're we're getting new business, but we also want to make sure that we're taking care of our our, our existing clients. Um, so having said that, we're we look at it as a relationship. We understand that right now in IT in general, there are more positions than there are people. There's just there's it's it's right now I'd say it's about a three to one ratio. So oh wow it's really hard for companies to find the talent they need. But in the same time, because there is such a shortage, they're sitting there trying to find a whole development team in, in one position. And, and we kind of need to bring them back down to reality and say, okay, it's good that you have these expectations, but you're asking for too much. How, so when you have to say that when you're asking to, for too much, are they normally pretty receptive to that? Or are they like, we need more still? Honestly, it's, it or? just depends on the approach and and building that relationship with your with your you with with your client. That's going to allow you to be able to be kind of candid with them and say, "Hey, you know what? Look, you know your your what you're asking for is a big ask here. Yeah. We're going to do our due diligence and we're going to do everything we can, but at the end of the day, we may not be able to get you everything that you're looking for in this position." Got it. Is that something you think that you learned? Um, running this company over time? Like, did you maybe have a couple instances where in the beginning, uh, there were, you kind of were giving a little bit more than you guys could provide and it was causing a little bit of stress or do you think that that's something you've established early on? So I think it's something we established early on and we were, when, when I started TechBridge, we were very fortunate to focus on specific software technology. Okay. So we were, we were actually focused on, and we still are on, uh, a, a product called Adobe Experience Manager. Now that's an enterprise level content management system. So think of think of like a WordPress on steroids. I mean, you can you can customize it and you can do whatever you want. However, the the talent pool is very very limited. So you have these large organizations that are purchasing the software at a minimum of 250k, and then they have to spend another 250k as a minimum just to be able to get people to implement it or to get it, somebody to to get it up and running for them. Not to mention, it's it, it caught on really quick about ten years ago. So, being able to to find those people that really know it was kind of really hard. Okay. Uh, so on, so you recently on the new IT podcast, and I was watching it, and you were talking about kind of going from the strain of what you were talking about on having to train them. You were talking about how IT is a changing world, and how. Right now, it kind of has to have a little bit more customer experience now. We have to be a little bit more outgoing 
how how have you been you know implementing that in your company as well as just teaching your own um, staffers to make sure that they're using that first and foremost I mean I think it's about transparency um, I, I think the episode that you're referring to we are kind of just alluding to the fact that gone are the days of, of the IT the root IT guy just sitting yeah. there in the corner kind of doing his own thing companies are more receptive now and and a lot of the work can be done remote or or people can kind of understand the technology enough to be able to do it anywhere so okay. they want they want people coming to their to their company and, and having buy into their culture and, and buy into where they're trying to go so trying to trying to get people that are it's not it's not advantageous for companies to sit there and say well that's just it we we, we know that and we kind of put up with that corporate America is kind of sitting back and saying yeah we don't we don't need to put up with that anymore um, I want to ask a little bit about like the business side of Absolutely. Uh, your company. You were working for other companies before you created. I was. Yeah. So what made you take that leap into being like, an entrepreneur? Um, so what originally kind of got me into, I mean, I think as an entrepreneur, I think something deep down inside of you kind of gets you to say, you know what? I... I have I, I I can I know I can provide value somewhere else or a different way, um, so that's that's always kind of I've always had that aspiration. But what kind of pushed me over the ledge was that I had a client, the company I was working for at the time, said, "Okay, well you're doing great things, but we're smaller, so in order to save some money and to help us grow, we're going to need to put you as a 1099 employee." So when I started doing my homework and researching that, I really understood, oh, well, there's no difference between being a 1099 employee and having my own company. So I started doing my homework and research and understanding, okay, this isn't, this isn't that hard to do. So there's a lot of steps, but I could see how it could be beneficial. Is there any myth that you think people often have about being an entrepreneur? That's kind of a twofold question. I mean, I think I think the myth is that if you're going to start out as an entrepreneur, you're either going to make it or you're going to fail. What people don't realize and what they don't understand is it is a grind. It is you have to put in the work if you want to succeed. Um, knowing that I started a company by myself, I mean, there were there were lots of days where, and there there still are occasional times where it's like I wonder and I question. It's like, am I going down the right path? Am I doing the right thing? Is this really is this really the direction that's that we want to take the company or I want to grow and where we want to find success? Mm -hmm. So I mean, you always have that that seed of doubt when when you are starting a company on your own. But at that same point, being able to to find peers and mentors to help you and, and help kind of bounce ideas off really kind of helps bring you back down to earth and bring you grounded a little bit. So you're talking about having good peers and mentors. Do you have anyone specifically in mind that maybe gave you advice that you still are using to this day? Yeah, I mean, these are these are kind of cliche, but um, Tony Robbins is a really big one. Yeah. Um, I've, I've gone to a couple of his events at UPW. Uh, I did one. I want to say back in 2019, and that's that's awesome. Um, if you ever get the chance, I, I highly encourage you to go because it's it's amazing. And then Grant Cardone is another one that I kind of follow. Um, those two between between sales and marketing, they kind of have that that area covered. 
but a really another another good one that I like is Dave Ramsey. Um, he created a a he's obviously got the Ramsey Network, which is all of his companies. Yeah, but he kind of spun off another another podcast and another another um, venture called um, Entree Leadership, which is tailored more towards entrepreneurs and and leading and, and leadership. So um, they they do a, a, a weekly podcast that I listen to quite a bit. So from you know, those people like listening to Dave Ramsey's podcast, has there been sp- something specific that you've kind of implemented within your business uh, or at least the strategies of how you've kind of gone about the business world? Uh, yeah, I mean, there's there's quite a few. I mean, I, it's uh, where, to, where to start with it. I mean, the last episode that I remember listening to was um, – was about um, just leadership and, and and how to how to be a thoughtful leader and how to be able to to contribute and and kind of show that transparency and be there for your employees. So, um, with your business, what's your biggest bottleneck right now? Is, is it capital? Is it is it customers? Or is it some other issue? Is it some tech issue? Or what what is it? Yeah, I mean, I think right now our biggest issue is is there are so many jobs and then there are so many requirements. We, we have probably about 30 to 40 open positions at a time. So we're, we're growing quickly, but trying to keep up with demand, that's, that's kind of where we're struggling. Um, so the, the biggest thing that I can say is as we grow and we've, we've had these learning pains, having your processes in place is very important. Thinking, not only thinking about just right now, but thinking about the future and making sure that you have your processes in place is going to set you up for success. In terms of having these processes in place for success, uh, is there maybe like a story that you have where maybe we were successful or maybe we weren't um, and kind of how you learned from you know those moments? Yeah. Um, so I had, I had somebody that was working for me. Um, he was, he was, um, a full desk recruiter, meaning that as a full desk recruiter, you're responsible for the, the, the whole process. You're, you're responsible for going out, finding new business and not only finding the business, but finding the candidates. So you're managing that relationship. Okay. So both sides. Exactly. Both sides of the, of the relationship. So unfortunately, there was there was a miscommunication that that he thought he was due more of a commission type structure where he really wasn't, um, so that that caused a little bit of conflict. But all of our processes were, where we were trying to go is we were trying to to hire more full desk recruiters. Okay. Uh, since that standpoint, since since things had happened, we've kind of taken a, a a fresh look at things to say maybe we need to approach this a different way. So what we're doing now is we're having sales reps do more of the sales process and the recruiters take on the back end. So they're, they're finding candidates, they're looking for candidates, and then our sales team is taking care of the front end. So you're kind of separating that exactly. a little bit. Yep. Very cool. So, and through our processes, I mean, we've had to build out our, our sales process, what exactly that looks like mm-hmm. step by step so that people can kind of understand and know exactly where they need to be or what they need to do. And then from the recruitment process, where we're, we've detailed it out to where when you're here, you do this. And when you're here, you, th- you do that. And just kind of detailing every process and kind of giving them the tools to be able to be successful. So is that is that on a, um, uh, a Google or, or what, what application? Do you have your own application or how do you do that? Is that like a NAT chart or something? Or Yeah, I mean, we we our process. So we've, we've detailed it out in just like a Google Doc, but... 
from our sales process, we were able to implement that in HubSpot. And then from our candidate acquisition, we have an ATS system, which is an applicant tracking system. And all of our steps are going into there. So this might be a little bit kind of like the question I asked about earlier in terms of uh, mentors and stuff like that. But uh, in terms of inspiration, where do you where do you get that from in your everyday life? How do you bring it as well to to business? How do you bring it to your company? I personally find joy in helping people, knowing that we're coming to work and we're we're providing jobs for people and we're helping companies solve the, solve the gap. I mean, we're bridging employees and in, in business and we're we're combining them together to say we're here to help you and we're 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 here to 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 give you that that boost and and help your team and help them not feel as is overworked and over over just exhausted from yeah. from doing too much. So we look at it as we're we're here to help and that's what we try to do. What about when you have doubts? What, what are you going to do? When you feel burned out, when you feel like you're going the wrong way, what do you usually do? So usually what I do is I try to, I, I walk through my process with somebody and say, okay, this is what I'm thinking and this is where I think we need to go. And then just having somebody to kind of bounce ideas off of, that kind of helps reassure me. And, and then I can kind of flesh out, is this a good idea? Is this Is this something we need to go down? Should we be going down this path or should we just kind of let it be? I think as um, entrepreneurs usually think that they feel alone. In, Absolutely. And why why do you think they feel that way? I think it's a lonely journey. I mean, there's so much unknown as being an entrepreneur. There's so much that you're responsible for. There's so much that you have to do. So it can become overwhelming and it just seems like when you're first starting out as an entrepreneur, you're the only one. You have to wear 15 different hats. So you yeah. have to sit there and say, oh, okay, well, I need to dedicate time to this. I need to dedicate time to that. I need to do this. I need to do that. So there's a lot of like, if you don't plan your days out and you don't plan everything out, things are going to fall off. So it's you just have to kind of make sure you have a routine and continue down that routine. What's your favorite way to like plan your days and have a, like, a solid schedule? Um, so my days start pretty early. I, I'm an early riser. I, I wake Ooh. up at I wake up at five thirty every oh, morning. Whoa. <laughs> so yeah. So my day typically starts with with my dog hitting my bed, telling me, "Hey, I'm ready for a walk." <laughs> so I'll usually I, my house is near the Jordan River Trail. So I'll usually either walk him or run him, depending on how I feel that morning. And then we'll do we'll do about a three miles every morning, and then depending on on that. Um, how tired he is. I may go a little bit longer, but that's my routine. I start with that. I, I get a good workout in the first thing in the morning that I just, I, I make sure to, to separate work and, and personal life. So the morning's my time to kind of prep and then I get to work. I do my time and then I try to shut down at, at about six o'clock. Wow. I mean, you, you have to, if you're going to be up at five thirty in the morning, right? Yeah. That's an early rise. Yeah. It is an early rise. I think I had to wake up at like I had a class today at about nine and I was frustrated right. that I had to get up and open my computer because it's on Zoom now. I was like, ugh. I'm, I'm a morning person, but definitely not as early as <laughs> you are. You know, it, it took a long time for me to get used to, but once I did, it was like, I like this. Like, there's, there's just something about it because like, I mean, I don't know if it's just me or what, but like being able to just get some exercise first thing in the morning and just do like a run. Yeah. 
you know, there's nobody out. I mean, you're still, you have time to think and collect your thoughts and just kind of mentally prepare you for that day. So I, I'm a 5.30 guy. But yeah, you get it. I, I, yeah, well, the, the alarm goes at 5.30 and I'm not up till about 6.30. <laughs> because I'm like, I roll out of bed. And yeah, you're <laughs> <right>. slow about <laughs> it. I will have to admit, my alarm is set for 5, but unfortunately, I don't roll out of bed till about 5.30. So <laughs> in the summertime, it's a little different though. Like, I don't know if it's just the days are longer. So I, I do generally in the summertime, I'll wake up about 5. So, uh, speaking of summer, are you from here in Utah? I am. Yep. So, I think I, I think I asked this with Felicia a couple of weeks ago, um, but I was really curious: is that why Utah? Like, why stay here and why have your business be here rather than anywhere else? Yeah, Brad. What's your what's your problem, man? <laughs> yeah, why here? <laughs> right. Um, well, we we do place you know candidates outside of Salt Lake City, uh, but. Having said that, I mean, Salt Lake is a very, very business-friendly state. Um, they're, they're very open to the economy. Not only that, but from a tech standpoint, they're booming. I mean, we're, we're labeled Silicon Slopes for a reason. So just being able to be here for that tech boom and, and kind of give back and give to the community and, and try to support local people and, and find these new positions is where we want to be. Besides that, do you appreciate the seasons here? I do. Um, I I do. I'm I'm an athletic person, so I do. I do snowboard in the in the winter time. My daughter's still trying to get me on the skiing thing, but I, yeah, I'm, I'm only a snowboarder. Sold. I don't know if I could do skiing. It's scary. Unfortunately, I've probably been snowboarding before you were born. <laughs> I've been <laughs> I've been snowboarding for about 25 years. Oh wow. Where so, Where is your favorite place around here? I personally prefer solitude. Um, there's not a lot of borders there, so. I, I used to work for a company that had season passes and I used to work graveyard shift. Okay. So I would I would get up probably 70, 80 times a year. Oh, wow. Brad, by the way, you don't look that old, man. Right? Well, I take that as a compliment. It's all the exercise. It's all that. Yeah. It's all that dog walking. Right? It is. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I actually have a question. So a lot of people, a lot of people who are listening... Uh, they're trying to start their own business or they have maybe have started their own business, maybe early stages. And a lot of them probably are asking themselves, you know, what are the next steps in order for me to actually start my company or to help my company grow? Um, and essentially for you speaking to them, what do you think are some of the, you know, some good tips or pieces of advice for people who are just starting out and creating their company? Yeah, I mean, if you're still in that that infancy stage and still trying to figure things out, don't be afraid to walk people through your plan. Help help to get a, a better understanding of what it is and refine exactly what it is you want to do and where you want to go. Not only that, but um, I, I can't remember who said this. I want to say it was Henry Ford, but um, there there's a quote that basically says, surround yourself with people that are smarter than you. Yeah, and when you do that, you can actually see what can what you can, can create. So, being able to get people that that are specialized in certain areas, that's going to benefit you. I think another another thing that a lot of people who want to start their business um, run into is that sometimes people don't like their idea. So, what should people what should they do when they're in a situation like that? You've got to believe in your product. I mean, if you're starting a product or if you're starting a service, you have to believe in it. And if you don't believe in it, then you're going to let those seeds of doubt from from people not liking your idea kind of creep in. So 
you've always got to stay positive. And if you believe that, if you believe in your product and you know that it could, it could provide some value, don't let anybody stop you. Well, it's just uh, on, on that uh, comment you just made, right? Because, um, you know, you, you, you're familiar with kind of the agile, mm -hmm. uh, you know, um, startup, right? Uh, process. It's just all about developing and putting it out to the market, getting feedback and reiterating, right? So you're hacking your way through it and you never, you never know from the very beginning where you're going to end up. And for that matter, I don't know any, I don't know any business that ever reaches a certain state and says we're done, at least any successful business, right? I mean, so how do you balance that between, okay, you're committed, you know what you want to do, and that's one side of the spectrum. And the other side is, okay, I'm not, I'm not listening. I need to listen to the feedback of the market and I need to pivot and I need to change, right? Because those, those, those two are kind of pitted against each other where it's like, you're just so hard-headed. This is my vision. This is what I'm going to do. I don't care what anybody says. And then, you know, it's 10 years and you haven't, you know, and haven't achieved anything. And maybe what you should have done was pivot and gone in a different direction. And so that, you know, th th that's kind of like a, that, that's kind of the, the, the entrepreneur's dilemma, right? Because the, the, you, you're, having to, you're having to thread that needle and just at, and strike a balance between the two because uh, too, too far on one side might be the wrong path. And even maybe in the middle where you're indecisive, that's the wrong path too. Yeah, I mean, it, it is a quandary to be in, but um, the one thing I will say is if, if you don't adapt, you're, you're dying. Even like from my situation, we're, we're kind of caught between the gig economy right now. And companies are, are traditionally looking for direct hire. I want somebody on my W-2. This is the way it works. But as we're, as we're evolving, you're starting to see that model change. You're starting to see contracting becoming more of, more of the, the way to go. So we've, we've always known that and we've always tried to position ourselves to, to keep that in mind. But we're here, to, we're here to help our clients however they want. But it's our, it's our opinion that we need to make sure that they're educated enough of why they should be looking at, at you know, staffing or project-based work because it is more beneficial for them. Mm -hmm. I mean, even for many business, I mean, the bottom line is how much money are they spending? Now, people don't realize it, but people, W-2 employees, they, they are about 60% of your overall expenses for any company. So if you can mitigate that and you, you cannot have to pay certain taxes or things of that nature, wouldn't that be more beneficial? Makes sense. And then uh, this one's kind of like more of like a fun one that we've, that we've been asking. Uh, imagine you wake up 5.30 tomorrow, you're 21. You're 21 years old. So maybe you actually might sleep in a little bit longer. Probably. But you're 21. <laughs> what would you, is there anything you might do differently or maybe any advice you would give yourself um, kind of looking back now at kind of the experience that you've been gaining from having this business as well as just working through other businesses? Yeah. I mean, the biggest thing that I can say, and I'm going to take a book from, from Gary Vee. Obviously, we all know who he is, but don't care what other people think. If you if you see the value in something and you see that you can provide value, you need to run with it and you need to take it and just go. So do you think when you're the only one who sees value, have, do you think you've been someone who's been, you know, someone that has said no to you before and that's stopped you from 
kind of pursuing certain goals of yours? Or do you think that, um, you know, you've been trying to kind of push past those things and have kind of seen those to their success? Well, I mean, I think we all struggle with it at some point in our lives, whether it be work-related or entrepreneurship. I mean, we all yeah. struggle with, well, why why, why do I need to go down this path? Or, or I don't want to embarrass myself. I, yeah. I, we, I mean, we all, we all struggle with it. So just being able to sit, sit there and say, you know what, I don't care and just, and just embrace it. If, if it's a great idea and you feel that everybody you talk to says, no, 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 this sucks, this sucks, this sucks, it ain't worth it, try something new and you, you're still adamant and you know that you can provide value, run with it and go. Don't let anybody stop you. That's good advice. I like that. Yeah, that's really good advice. So do you have any, uh, any regrets far as your your business ventures any could have should have would have i i don't know about if it's a regret but as as starting out and as an entrepreneur don't be afraid to find the people that know more than you and can do more than you that can propel your business in a way that you probably can't mm-hmm. um every 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 company needs business uh, sales reps every company needs people to help them grow don't be afraid to sit there and think that you have to do it all yourself. If you can work something out with somebody, run with it and go. Yeah, I think that's true. Yeah, I think I think it's really good tools of advice just to know if there is someone who's a little bit smarter than you, they can help yeah. you get through it. Because I think a lot of times, I think even just in the normal world, we're kind of afraid that we are by ourselves and we try to do something as you know to the best of our ability but unfortunately we don't know everything so it's super helpful to have mm-hmm. someone who's a little bit smarter in the room to have that youtube video to show you how to do right. something or, yeah and we don't know anything exactly. everything well and not only do we not know everything i think we get to a point and i think as a society we've evolved to say you can't fail you can't fail you yeah. can't fail yeah personally i think that's the wrong statement that we need to be putting out we need to tell people to fail. We need to have people fail because that's how they learn and that's how they grow. I think the, the biggest struggle is probably the uncomfortability of recognizing that you failed and having to kind of own that. Agreed. And I think having to overcome that is probably the the most beneficial thing about it. Um, but in terms of failing, do you think there's a specific time where you failed upwards or you fail downwards that's kind of worth noting to anyone who's listening um from the business side of things i i failed forward in a, in a in the aspect of we we placed a, cl- uh, a candidate for a client but it's not the best solution and we're finding that out now so this this particular candidate's been on on the job for about about 60 days and he's just not working out so Failing it forward is yes, the company thought this was the best the best person for them. Sure, but those those soft skills aren't there, or those those team skills aren't there. So that's where they're struggling with with this particular candidate. And I look at it as a failure, is because we didn't spot those from the beginning. In our processes, we didn't sit there and say, "Oh, you know, I didn't catch that." Yeah. So I look at that as a fail for us, and we failed our our client. So on that on that point. Um uh, do, do you have like a, do you do like do you do like personality tests uh, that test you know these you know this is a type A type of person this person communicates this way or you know this is a this is a, this this color this guy is a, a blue this guy is a red. <laughs> I don't know, 
we don't do tests like that, but we do do what they call the strengths finder test. It's um, it's through Forrester. Yeah, so that, that. kind of tells us a little bit about like a little bit of the insights from for those people. But I mean, again, I mean, something is like something like that. I mean, I, I don't want to sit here and, and say that we can't foresee something like this, but something like that is like you have to literally see as they're working and, and as they're going through yeah. the project. So we do our best to try to mitigate that through doing tests like Strength Finder and things like that. But again, I mean, I don't know if it's just because of COVID and working remote. I don't know if like they there's less there's there's they feel that they have more freedom and then there's there's like the rules are a little bit more lax but yeah, yeah i mean it, I, I i i don't know you normally i think uh, a great thing to hear when you're kind of getting getting advice is any type of soapbox that you might want to get on the last couple minutes if you want to share anything with any of the listeners as well as just you know plug your company again anything you have going on yeah, I mean, the biggest thing that I would say is um, from from an entrepreneur sta- entrepreneurship standpoint, don't, again, I mean, I know I hit it and I'm going to hit it hard, but don't let anybody hold you back from your dreams. Fail it forward. Try things, try new things. Um, speaking of that, Failing It Forward, great book by John C. Maxwell. It's awesome. It talks about just trying and, and you know, if you don't succeed the first time, just don't give up, continue to go, push through. Failure is actually a good thing. I think as a society, we look at it differently. But yeah, that's, um, that's the biggest thing. Um, from a company standpoint, um, for TechBridge, we bridge the gap between business and employee. We offer contract, contract to hire, and direct hire placements. We want to give back to the community, so we try to do that through through donations on on that person's behalf to, to whatever charity they want. All right, then. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. Thank of course. you so much. Awesome. Thanks, Brad. Of course. Hopefully okay. that was long enough yeah. for you guys. So hopefully yeah. your your phone will ring off the hook now. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh man, I got too much going on. <laughs>